welcome to the Sprocket Podcast, where we are simplifying the good life. I'm Jeffrey Straw. And I'm Aaron Flores, broadcasting with a vitamin D deficiency. Hey, that makes two of us. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> My mind just totally went blank. Oh, yeah? That's that's the line I never forget. And okay. yet, like, it just sort of stuttered. That's all right. Uh, as long as you remember the phone number. 503-847-9774. All right. We're good. We're golden. All right. <laughs> Broadcasting from the People's Republic of Portland, nestled in the heart of Cascadia. We are the show that brings you phone numbers at first, and then somewhat irreverent conversations about the intricacies of thinking locally with a global perspective and enjoying the best that life has to offer along the way. Covering bicycling, trains, transit, simple living. I'm going off an old script. Did I mention I may have a vitamin D deficiency? <laughs> Portland. Adventures and life hacks. <laughs> <laughs> I was in St. Louis over the weekend, by the okay. way. We can talk about that later. A little bit of time dilation. Not, yeah. Nice, nice. <laughs> uh, adventures and today. Today. <laughs> Looking I'm sorry. forward. Looking forward. Looking You're forward. <laughs> yes. And uh, we've got... Our guest here in the studio today, Aaron, how are you? Hey, we also have another guest, Guthrie Straw, here with us. Hi, thanks for having yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, it's good to be here. We're good. <laughs> doing a duo episode for today, so your, your ears get the enjoyment or chagrin of the next hour or so with us, <laughs> and uh, we're going to talk about some bike things. We're Don't worry, we have an actual guest next week. <laughs> we, we do indeed. Um, yeah, we're going to talk bike things, we're going to talk some non-bike things, I'm sure. And uh, we're going to have a good time doing it. So thanks for tuning in. Yeah. Hey, so I mentioned I was in St. Louis. Yeah. What have you been up to this weekend? Um, wow. I can't believe you. Even <laughs> even when I was like just about, you still beat me to the punch. This I'm is trying to great. beat the vitamin D deficiency. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it was cool. It was nice. cold. Okay. Um. But we had fun. Uh, I was visiting Anna's sister and her partner, Joe, and um, her mom came in from Oklahoma as well, from oh, Tulsa. Nice. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. You yeah. get to spend some good time together. Yeah. It was fun. Um, <laughs> we watched The Bachelor. There's a lot of indoor activities. Okay. But- um, Well, you did mention the weather. Yeah. Did you, So, have you ever been to St. Louis? I have not been to St. Louis. I've I've- it's funny because I'm I l- listen to a podcast that's centered around St. Louis, and that's not to say that I know St. Louis, but I feel uh-huh. like I know facets of St. Louis, having never been there. Ah, okay. Um, so how is St. Louis? It's I I I will be honest. I don't think I really fairly got like the St. Louis experience. Okay. Except I did eat at Emos. What is Emos? It's a it's a or I didn't eat at Emos. I had them deliver it, but um. It's a it's a like pizza a, place. It's like their like signature pizza. Okay. It's, oh man, <laughs> it's super greasy. Yep. <laughs> it's a pro. What did they call the cheese? Uh, provarella. Hmm. Like provolone and meets and mozzarella. Mozzarella. Yeah. Sounds uh, good. I'm always um, for dual cheeses on pizza. Super thin crust, and it, like the pieces are are like diamond shaped. Okay. Um, they come out like you know really small. How? It's like it's the kind of pizza that like if you've got a lot of people to feed for cheap or yeah, if you want to feed a lot of people for cheap, that's the that's the place to do nice. it. Nice. 
Was it still hot when it came to your door? Yeah. Yeah. Score. Yeah. That's quite a feat. <laughs> True. <laughs> um, but so I, I asked if you had ever been to St. Louis because um, this is something I, I think you would really enjoy. And I honestly feel like I didn't enjoy it to its fullest. Hmm. Um, this place called the City Museum. Okay. Um, which is not a museum in the strict sense, although there are like taxidermal, taxidermied animals hmm. there um that's sort of incidental okay <laughs> it's this old shoe factory that like a sculptor went like let's create an adult dunk- jungle gym Ooh. <laughs> and yeah i probably would enjoy that <laughs> yeah yeah and it's awesome that they, they have like a uh what is it a 10 story spiral slide what yeah do you have to be an adult to go to the city museum? No, and that's why I don't think I enjoyed it to its oh, fullest. Because we see. went there on MLK Day. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a parade downtown, which we were way too cold to to go. Sorry, it's <laughs> not dedicated. What? Just um, for our listeners, how cold was it? You know, I'm going to say a number, and there's going to be some mm. listeners. <laughs> Not gonna say any names. <laughs> they might live in they Alaska. They might live in Alaska <laughs> and wear a bear pelt. Actually, Anchorage but... Day is pretty warm. You might be okay. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah. by, by pretty warm, I mean in the negatives often. But by Alaska standards, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. So the guy originally said minus eighteen degrees Celsius. Nice. And I can't remember what he said Fahrenheit, but it's not that cold fahrenheit yeah right because uh, zero is 32 essentially. correct yeah they meet yeah. at negative 40 so you're only okay. 22 degrees off in equilibrium. <laughs> oh boy uh, <laughs> um yeah so i'm not entirely sure like what it was fahrenheit but it was it was cold enough and honestly it wasn't it wasn't as cold like we did a lot of walking mm-hmm. regardless but um, the wind was really the worst. Oh, okay. You know, uh, we went to the big frown, you know, the, the arc. The oh, arch. Is that, that's yeah. what they call it. That's kind of colloquially what they the call it. The big frown. Yeah, the big frown. See, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> um, I think it's like, you know, what sort of the people who are over over it you know, mm-hmm. call it. Gotcha. Um, and that was for shucks. Now I'm going to mess this one up. The Was it a Lewis and or bicentennial some some type of fair event i don't know the why they fair? built it okay. other than the fact to like be like yeah st louis was where the the oregon trail oh okay started gotcha. you know and here is the arch the gateway mm-hmm. to the west hmm. so to speak oh interesting okay um which makes me wonder like the people who live in st louis how many people originally went for the oregon trail and was like eh good enough Oh, for sure. You're like, that river, not going to cross it. Nah. It's okay. I'm all right right here. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. It's. I mean, it is, you know, it's to some degree easier to just play the video game than it is to cross over yes. the Rockies. Yes, and, and I then... just, oh, I just found out today there is a card game. Oh, really? That apparently is very difficult to beat. Hmm. It's like one of those where you play against the game itself and not against other players. Oh, interesting. What's it called? Yeah. The Oregon Trail. The Oregon Trail. The card game. Just yeah. the Oregon Trail? Okay. Yeah. I, was, um, I, was... I didn't look it up, but from the description, I'm assuming it's like based off the video game. Okay. Yeah. Nice. I was uh, curious. There's a like knockoff to the Oregon Trail game called To Hell With It. We're going to El Dorado. <laughs> really? <And> it's <laughs> it's um, not 
it's like Oregon Trail esque. Uh, yeah. But basically, you you get in a wagon and you're flung across the vast expanse, and it's one of those ones where you try not to like wreck yourself in your in your way to your destination by, okay. by hitting a mountain or some something like that. Oh, so right. On. A lot a lot faster paced than the Oregon Trail, <laughs> uh, depending on how fast you can click one the one or a I can't remember the controls. Oh, okay. Particularly, yeah, yeah. But, um, cool. So we've got three things, and then we'll have the Oregon Trail game but you didn't play the oregon trail in st louis no no okay um we just sort of hung out and did a lot of indoor activities because that's what you do in the winter of st louis indeed uh yeah the uh the gateway or the big arch or whatever the actual name for it is it's right by the mississippi river and um the wind was much worse over there okay (laughs) so we didn't stay there very long um Anna's mom, she's, uh, well, she's a herpetologist, but she's really big into bird watching as well. Mm, she's nice. like, you know, I hear eagles nest over there in the winter, which I guess is a true thing. And she was like, I really want to go down there. And all of us are like, no, nah, not mm-hmm. doing it. But she was prepped for it. Give us the keys. We'll wait in the car. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> um, was the pizza delicious? It was good. Uh, No, no, no. It's again, it's like one of those where like, if you're really wanting like a greasy, Mm -hmm. like, I don't want to say nasty because that's not doing it justice. But if you want like, you know, like nasty in the sense of like, oh, that pizza was so nasty. I just ate all of it because it was full of grease or just like, yeah, or I wouldn't eat that pizza because that pizza is nasty. No, more of the first. Like, yeah, (laughs) like you're, you know, sometimes you're just in the mood for like, for lack of a better word, like garbage food. Yeah. Totally. You know, and you know, I I like a good artisan crust like anybody else, but sometimes you just gotta have like whatever is there. Yeah. Indeed. <laughs> Do you think oh. it um would you compare or contrast it to pizza you've had in Portland or was it sort of because no, you mentioned it was triangle? No, but triangle. I it is almost identical to this pizza I used to get occasionally from Toledo, Ohio. Okay. Uh from this place called J and G's. And it's it's also cut in diamonds. It's also really greasy and and salty. Um, Yum. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's just one of those like if you're if you're looking for you know just something that you can get a lot of something for cheap. Mm-hmm. That's that's what you go get. Yeah, definitely. That reminds me of a pizza shop in Portland that I discovered a little while ago, and I'd always been looking for like the closest equivalent to a New York slice and debate about New York slices aside. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it, it apparently, so when I found out about it, it was $12 for an extra large pie. Okay. And then I had heard from some folks cause it, they've been around the Portland area for a good 20 years or so, but it used to be like, Oh, okay. So this isn't what I'm thinking about. Okay. It, it might not be. You're welcome to No. I, it, it's definitely not. I won't go really into new, brands because I feel like I'll just upset everybody in Portland. <laughs> but <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's pizza that I enjoy eating, okay. and it's twelve dollars for an extra large cheese. So. I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's enough for two and a half or three people, and um, it's it's very very good. I think the the biggest difference between Portland and New York pizza is not necessarily the taste, but the feeling of being able to go in and get a slice and just walk out. Yeah. Um, you can certainly go to places in Portland and get a slice of pizza, but it's not like there's hundreds of millions of people all going into that store. So like it is very fresh and not York, a lot of turnover might have sat around. Yeah. For some, I guess of, that's the word some of the other for. places versus this place. Yeah. There's always something kicking out. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. So um, 
I'm glad you had some good pizza. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. kind of reminds me of a pizza maker, and this is probably a bad comparison because it sounds nothing like it. Uh, <laughs> that kind of rhymes with Ominos, but <laughs> oh, because that's the only other one I can think of that did like a diamond. Originally, like that's what they were like trying to sell me on. I'm like, I'm not oh, really? Gonna, I'm not going to buy it. <laughs> no, I have. Uh, I've I got standards. Yeah. Well. <laughs> This the owner of of this particular place and and the the corporation where its head, headquarters wasn't very far from where I grew up. And oh, so gotcha. It's like one of those where like, um, I don't know, you have a bad experience as a child with the person mm. or or people or a group of people, and so then you're like kind of shying away from that brand. Mm-hmm. I hate the L.A. Lakers. No, what <laughs> I don't do know. <laughs> it was it was my way of like kind of trying to lighten it up. But okay, anyway. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> so we've made enemies of New York and pizza and Lakers, <laughs> and Lakers fans, and we're only fifteen minutes in. We're doing great. Hey, what did you do this weekend though? <laughs> uh this weekend Jane's mom came to town, so uh, we had a pretty good time checking out the city. And uh, the most notable thing that happened this week is we went out. Have you ever been to Rice Rock Museum by any chance? No. Yes. Like as in a museum of rocks. A museum full of rocks. Oh my gosh. Literally. Okay. Uh, There's a a state that was run by the Rice family that's out sort of towards Hillsboro slash Beaverton. I'd say like technically it's North Plains because it's just north of Highway 26 near that stretch. But um, they were rock collectors and just really like movers and shakers, apparently, in the rock industry for many, many years and had uh-huh. a private collection built up upon their estate. Would Would you say they were rock stars? They were stars of rocks, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, so they, they operate what basically they, they um, turned their house into the museum. And so they... The the first way I found out about it was back when I was living in Forest Grove, um, and I did a wedding shoot over on the campus. And so when I was doing my pre-scout, like this is many, many years ago, they sort of showed me around and gave me a free tour without having to pay admission. Nice. And I was like, score, because I, I like rocks. I used to tumble, and I still look for rocks. Um, I'm going there with anymore. a camera and be like, yeah. uh, I'm scouting this location exactly. for a shoot. Well, they had me on the calendar, so you might, you, you, your your success I'll call may vary. First. <laughs> um, but no, it's a it's a quite affordable way to go check out some rocks. Um, uh-huh. Jane's mom was a hard rock geologist oh, by trade. Okay, so, that's uh, awesome. It's it's kind of that pocket spot that I had always wanted to bring her when she was visiting Oregon, and um, we finally got a chance to do so. Right on. And I, yeah, we we spend probably like three-ish hours just walking around looking at rocks. There's a bunch of petrified wood from all over the place. Um, and the specimens they have there, you know, for everything from like meteorites to uh, sulfur, you know, and everything in between. So it's not, I would say it's it's unlike the Smithsonian in the sense that you'll not go there and like see like, well, they actually do have some rocks which are unique within the world, but it, it's very much a low-key experience is the way I would describe it. Because uh, it's like literally somebody's house <laughs> that they converted oh, okay. into this museum, but don't let you don't let that turn you off if you're into rocks. Um, the the reason I really like that spot is we didn't do it this time, but it's a really nice stopover if you're biking the, on North Plains route from Portland to Banks Vernonia Trail. So it's kind oh, of just okay. right on your way there. Yeah, yeah. And you oh. you do have to go you you have to shoot north of 26, so you're not going out the you know transit line, or you can take transit part way up to Hillsboro and then cut up to it. Uh-huh. Um, but if you're like 
starting a slow adventure or like winding back and you, and you don't want to make it into Portland, it's a nice spot to, to stop by. Okay. So she was um, jazzed about the rocks. They have just an enormous, um, what is it? Oh, I'm going to forget the rock name now. Too many rocks that I saw a Granite, couple days ago. Marble, limestone. It was one. That's, that's no, my It'll come back to me in a, in a completely unrelated Geode. Somewhere in the future. Oh, they had tons <laughs> of geodes. <laughs> um, I mean, basically, like, the nice thing about rocks, similar to a lot of things in nature, is it's they're 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 truly unique to themselves. Like you can take a hundred pieces of petrified wood. I, I don't know about you, but I personally am the person who would probably be fascinated in every single one of those samples because okay. they're all different. Uh, and so you get a lot of really unique types of um, patterns within the rocks. And then you've got crystals and gems and like everything in between. So it, it it's it's definitely like. It's definitely a odd experience because of its setting, uh-huh. but it's a very enjoyable experience if you like rocks. Um, and they've got like five or six staffers there, so like it's 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 big. Um, but yeah, that that was what we did, and uh, it it was nice because I used to do a lot of like agate hunting out in eastern Oregon as a kid, and so I like to touch back into that part of me yeah. every yeah. now and then. Uh, other than that, I've been kind of like fighting off a sickness this week oh no so i'm just really hoping that it doesn't get worse <laughs> people have been getting it all over at work yeah that's what i've heard it's sick time in portland uh but fortunately i've been able to just have i would call it like low grade crud uh-huh. um and it's feeling a little bit better today still feel a little bit cruddy but uh, other than that i've kind of just been like wiped this week oh. <laughs> which is good because uh the submission deadline for film by bike was in the or is now in the past and so i like had that final push and now it's like oh, okay yeah cool. I, can, I can be sick it's all right <laughs> if it happens it happens yes i kind of um, i kind of like and hate that when that happens when you're like you finally got a chance to breathe and mm. you get sick oh and, yeah and you're like well this is a more convenient time to get sick but then you're also like but, but i could be using this time oh, for know. other things totally yeah. that is very true um in other news i Got a derailleur cable to replace my derailleur cable finally on my Surly. How, how long has it been since you I think probably since it. the time I mentioned it on... Oh, since I've replaced gosh. it? Yeah. Uh, oh, gosh. It's at least a couple of years, if not like three. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. Wow. Um, I, I don't know if it's just like that particular lever or something. I tend to do really soft shifts, so... My, my tendency. Oh, you're doing it wrong, then. I am. Oh no, <laughs> I've got to I've got to shift hard so I can wear out all of that's my components. Right. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's what I, that's how they they told me to do it. <laughs> yeah, I I was thinking about that when I was getting the cable because like I definitely know folks who are very like I think it comes down a little bit to like ride preference and what I would say is no matter like you can be on one side of the camp you can be the other you can switch sides in between a ride like there's a lot of different ways to shift a bike but the way that i shift tends to let the cable last a little bit longer okay um so i just try to be like really mellow on my components because it, it's a good bike it treats me well and you use bar end shifters right do love the bar end shifters friction or index friction on the left for the big ones okay and index on the right for the rear gears okay so um, it's nice to be able to move into friction if you have to, but typically that's just that really satisfying thing about Shimano shifters is you can like click up or down a gear and then you just have that little bit of slack you're holding on the line and you just yeah. ease it out into gear. Um, something about that nuance is just huh. so satisfying to me. See, and 
those are things like that that I was like, I'm done with index shifting. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I see. Yeah. I mean, so, uh, but that also kind of has that same nuance too. The uh, frictionless friction shifting. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, because you know, there's no, there's no clicking or anything, mm-hmm. and yeah, and so. It's all about finding that magic spot. Mm, mm-hmm. I also have down tube shifters. Yep. Yeah, I can see. So I think that I think they're both fine. I yep. think what I've noticed is when I'm wearing earbuds, I like to run um, indexed on the back and frictionless on the front because when I'm running it that way, I can listen to or have earbuds in, and uh-huh. I'll know that I'm in gear on my rear. And then if I am not sure if I'm rubbing, instead of like listening for that wear and tear, I can just look down and like visually check the alignment on the front. If I had them both frictionless, I imagine I'd kind of just like cross chain myself or or, oh, or yeah, put more really wear and tear on my yeah. chain. Um, but I'll I'll put in headphones sometimes. Like if I forget to look down, that's when I tend to wear through my derailleur cages because oh, okay. I'll just be like on a bike tour jamming for a few hours and then be like, <laughs> oh yeah, I've totally like. <laughs> been been having at the derailleur gauge there so um you know compromise but yeah something something unlike anything else in the world is just letting that that glide into gear and especially on a nine speed i mean nine speed is way more than six or seven but let's be honest you're gonna i feel that you get a really clean shift off of nine speed whereas i it takes me longer to get used to a 10 or 11 yeah yeah i could see that but i if if your bike is well tuned, you're probably fine either way. <laughs> <laughs> Be nice to your shifters, or don't, and just replace the and cable just keep every now replacing and then. <laughs> them. Yeah, yeah. I think I replace mine like once a year, but oh wow, you've got yeah, me thinking like, me. do I do I really need to do that? Well, um, I so maybe I I don't know. I my philosophy as far as biking goes, just generally, is typically for a personal bike. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like sure. there's definitely the shop environment where it's in your best interest to recommend a brake pad replacement if they've got like an eighth of a pad left. Whereas me, like, yeah, I totally ride that last eighth of a pad. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. That's just kind of how I am. Um, but I, I think that generally speaking, I follow more like maintenance check intervals than actual maintenance time. So it's, it's not that I won't keep an eye on it. It's that I'll check for it. And then if it, looks okay i'll just put another like calendar reminder out right the classic one being chains i just have a google calendar reminder that is like every six months hey check your chain and uh you know you can just reassess if you need to from there but as long as you're not just letting it disappear into the ether and all of a sudden your bike falls apart halfway to the middle of nowhere Uh, right you're you're probably okay (laughs) um yeah fun fun times yeah well i wonder maybe maybe i'm replacing well I often go by time okay. and I know it's maybe a little on the um, uh, too much scale, but I mm-hmm. I know like replacing them at least once a year, the, the cables mm-hmm. and then the chain, you know, replacing that if it, if it's looking bad. Yeah. And cassette maybe every other year. Okay. Depending on, you on like how much cassette wear. for wear. So that is something I've read on how to do, but okay. still, like, it's one of those where, in theory, I get it, but in practice, I, I haven't quite figured it out. Gotcha. But um, usually, if I if I see that the chain is bad, then I will I will replace the rear cassette. Okay. Gotcha. Um, just because I know, yeah, if I 
because I wear out a chain till it's done. Mm-hmm. It's like done, done, as opposed to like you know how you have the like go no go mm-hmm. um yeah little gauge that Park Tool makes. Yep, yep. Um, like fifty percent, and it's fine. You know when it reaches that seventy five percent, eh, I'll go on it a little bit longer. <laughs> as long <laughs> and, as it's working. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, like up up until that that seventy five percent gauge, like like slides in and out like super easy then mm-hmm. then i'm like okay time to change it and gotcha i can pretty much just assume that the uh the rear cassette is, uh, okay. is a no go i i do something a little bit different i'll replace at the point 5 and uh-huh. i replace at the point 5 cuz and feel free to write in and tell us at this yeah, podcast I'd, at gmail.com your, your chain people. theory yeah um, <laughs> for me it's been i i found that you can replace at point 5 cuz so a nine-speed chain, let's call it like $32 at a bike shop. Okay. And a cassette for a nine-speed, somewhere around like 50 to 60 If you're going to go like good quality, we're talking like, for example, DRXT or something like that. Um, I tend to try to replace at 0.5 because my theory is that I can go through like two or three chains in as long as I'm keeping them um, around the same wear pattern because you're not going to be expanding the teeth on your cassette. But when you get out to like the third or fourth chain, that's where I start checking cassette wear because okay. then it might have actually like collectively worn those parts down. I don't know if that's the end all be all, but that's that's what I found has worked in the past. No, that makes sense. And and like I said, I may be going a little bit on the excessive side. Yes, yeah. <laughs> ride it into the dirt. It's a certain. It'll it'll take it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, speaking of riding it into the dirt, man. So there is this place on my commute that um it's up on the levee mm-hmm. um i remember that near, place near marine drive yeah yes <laughs> i biked it with you once um it's been rainy these mm-hmm. past few days mm-hmm. but it was dry yesterday and dry today and i thought to myself ah, eh, let's check it out mm-hmm. i instantly regretted it was it sloosh i I had to walk it up to the ridge. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> and then once on the ridge, it still took me like, like I kind of had to Flintstone the bike. Mm-hmm. Like you know, you kind of do the push thing till you get enough momentum, and yep. then you can yep. like pedal. Oh yeah! Because like every time I pedaled, the wheel would just like slide into the mud. Yeah. yeah. Were you on your long but, haul? Yes. Okay. So there's like some. I'm. I've got some pictures hey. here. I'll I'll post with the yeah. show. No yeah, doubt. it's just mud all over the tires nice, <laughs> all, nice all up in the in the fenders too um that's pretty impressive mud you got going on i i liked <laughs> i liked like being in it but i hated the fact that it was like on my way to work oh okay you know if if it was just like a fun ride mm-hmm. i could feel i could suppose that i would relax a little bit more yeah, but you knew it's gonna sit there all day cake on and then you're <laughs> well, gonna have to ride home that that the fact that my bike is muddy doesn't bother me so much as like you know um oh great now i x amount of minutes later than i want to mm. be you know because gotcha. you can't necessarily speed through this yeah that's a good point yeah um but it was it's an experience you know mm-hmm. and now i know that I will ride that for leisure and not on my way to work. <laughs> sure. Yeah, it'll take the take the different route. But the yeah. alternative is not like I'd say if you can do that pathway, the alternative would be marine drive. Um, so that's not necessarily fun either. Not not necessarily like I'd probably take like Vancouver to 6th. Okay. And then 6th 
just cross Marine Drive okay. if I can. For yeah. folks not familiar with North Portland, those are the like only workable bike routes within about a mile of each other up in right. that, so that stretch. It is it is one of my biggest complaints about that space where we work. You know, it's so far north and Marine Drive is it's just one of those I don't know like what you would call that kind of road. It's a shipping route for one thing, but also there isn't a whole lot of access points mm. to it. Um, you have 6th, you have 33rd, and nothing between yep. those two. Yeah, I've definitely then, gotten stuck between those two. 33rd, and I mean, you have the, there's the airport also there, so like that limits access. But from 33rd, the further east you go, I think the next access point is 120th. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah, so it's pretty limited. Mm-hmm. So, um, depending on where you live in the city, if you're biking up to that spot, um, your options pretty much are either 33rd or 6th. Mm, okay. And neither of those are really good for biking. Yeah. So I had, I was just so tired of, of fighting with cars that weren't willing to give me the space on either of those roads that I started taking the max to the expo center. Oh, and just riding. And then, yeah, well, yeah. And then riding East from there. Um, and that's where I found this spot where it's just, it goes up the levee Mm -hmm. and you're on the levee, but it's not paved. It's all just, you know, yard and mud. Yep. And, um, yeah, I honestly prefer that. (laughs) <laughs> to uh, having to fight traffic yeah. on Marine Drive. Yeah, it makes sense. Nice. Well, I'm glad that you made it to work. I'm assuming you made it to work. <laughs> yes, you're yes, I now. did. Yes, but I, I did. Guess that and I even made it early. Nice. Because I have anxiety. <laughs> and <laughs> I mean, it's better, you know, when work is concerned, I'd, I'd personally always like to fall on the earlier side. True. Rather true. than late. Yeah. And I'm one of those that I build um, mechanical time into mm. my commute mm-hmm. so if i do get a flat tire i know it's gonna suck mm-hmm. and i've got time to change it you know i don't dawdle or anything but i know i at least have time to change it yeah tell so have we talked about the concept of mechanical time on the show before i'm trying to i don't remember. know if we have as far yeah. as the way as it pertains to like commuting or anything like yeah. that i'm a little curious if you had any like rules of thumb like per x mile or how do you factor because obviously it's going to be different for everybody sure the the general rule for me i mean i've i've really only ever had to commute to this job okay you know i lived at my previous job um and even when i didn't live there my commute was pretty minimal um but my general rule has become leave 10 minutes earlier than you think you need to leave okay so if it's a 45 minute ride you're going to have to leave like 55 minutes early. Okay. Or 55, plan for a 55 minute commute. That's what I'm trying to say. Sure. Um, Do you pre-ride before, like thinking back to your first day on yeah, the job, did you yes pre-ride Yes and no. I, I will take the time that Google Maps suggests, mm-hmm. which then gives me sort of that time to beat. Yep. Yep. Um, which generally do. Google Maps tends to be more on the conservative side of oh, things yeah. when it estimates time. As far as biking that's I don't know how accurate well. it is as far as driving. I think for... It's been kind of hit or miss in my experience. Yeah, definitely. I think it varies by city as well because... And I'll need to like... We're going to talk a little bit about 
touring perhaps later in the show, yeah. but I found that generally speaking, bike directions on Google, like whatever their standard is, I ride just a little bit faster than that, which is good because you can take, I, I feel like 10% build in for me personally, because I, I don't ride fast, but I do ride at like 12 or 13 miles an hour right. typically. Um, if I'm heavily loaded, certainly less, but I feel like Google goes off of like an eight to maybe nine mile an hour average, oh, just okay. based on my experience, but I'm sure they've posted that on some <laughs> blog somewhere. <laughs> well, speaking of Google Maps, I, I've i always found, you notice like when you do like uh, maps anywhere, really, mm-hmm. whether it's here in the city where we have pretty good bike infrastructure yeah. or like somewhere else, um, it always gives you a little uh, caveat, like, you know, bike directions are in beta. Hmm. Please, you know, either way, <laughs> sort of take this with a grain of salt. That's yeah. not exactly what they say. Have they ever not been in beta? I would need to check. I haven't noticed the beta tag in a little while. Oh, really? But it might oh. be like out of beta in Portland, but in beta somewhere else. Like, Everywhere. I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I'll need to look because, I mean, most of the time these days in Portland, I have a pretty good idea of the city. So I'm yeah. not necessarily checking, but I have. No, for the, the most past. part, like just tell me where like yeah. what quadrant you're in yeah usually mm. like i'll check it car directions and then i'll just kind of like extrapolate that to like oh well i need to go there what bike streets would i take ah, it takes that long in a car so it'll probably take this like i'm I'm that lazy person who like sometimes <laughs> won't even click into bike directions that's funny but like it, just for portland typically uh, i have had experience with google maps crossing from california to arizona in which it put us on a, a, a illegal section of freeway and illegal well the the kind that you get picked up for riding on okay uh, just so like there's a couple corridors through portland that you can't ride a bike on the freeway but then we get down on interstate uh, yes five i5 is, is okay to bike on once you're out of the city yeah like south of um oh south of tigard maybe or just barely there but if i recall back to the last time nathan jones was on the show mm-hmm. I think he got picked up in California. Um, oh, did he? For riding yeah, down. That uh, wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not that Nathan would get picked up, but that, Well, like, not necessarily get, picked up, but he got stopped. person would get picked up. <laughs> yeah. He got stopped in California for riding down the freeway. Oh, yeah. 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 It was also like tell. really snowy. Oh, okay. Was it more of like a concern, like legitimate concern? Like, hey, just want to make sure you're not going to like die <laughs> on the side. <laughs> <laughs> I. If I recall the way the interview went, I think it was not. Okay. Yeah. It was more or less like, why are you on the freeway? Get off the freeway. You shouldn't be on the freeway. Okay. I have been... It's it's difficult to tell. Like, I don't know if Google or any mapping service I've seen necessarily tells you, but it's typically the experience of navigating somewhere via a mapping service and then encountering that sign that says, like, no... uh, bikes no scooters no skateboards right. like on the freeway and then you're like well cool and you find you you spend like mm-hmm. half a day kind of like trying to find the only other way over like the mountain pass that isn't the freeway because that, that's just what goes <laughs> right. through there right and, and sometimes you're just like well screw it i'm gonna like take my chances what else can i do yeah, yeah. i mean like if they want to talk to me they can talk to me um i ever what? tell you about the time i got lost on uh um jansen beach no yeah you can't get lost on jansen beach though well it was my first time going across into vancouver mm -hmm. and then coming back i didn't realize that the bike path goes uh what is that contraflow Mm -hmm. to traffic like Mm -hmm. 
And it's on the same side that that you would have crossed on yep. getting into Vancouver. Yeah, it's you know, not and, very. And again, this is pretty local. Jensen Beach is, uh, what is the name of that island now? Ha- Hayden Island. Yes, yeah. is on Hayden Island, which is sort of like a, a little island in the Columbia between Portland mm-hmm. and Vancouver, and that's where you kind of there's sort of a stop off when you're biking. Um, yeah. In between those cities, you have to go through Jensen Beach. Yeah, it sort of takes you out of your... Uh, there is a bike pathway, technically, but it kind of takes you out of the pathway for a block or two, and then yeah. you have to, like, refine the bridge. So, And that, that's enough, mm-hmm. especially when, when you yeah. don't know that you're supposed to be on the yeah. one side of the freeway. Oh, well, and speaking I of... I kept trying to, like, get on to I-5 South. Yep, yep. <laughs> I've... I, would be curious if anybody else, because I actually had that exact same experience. Oh, the really? First time I rode up there. Yeah, well, it was like I was. I would just follow traffic, and then I would get to that entrance ramp and be like, oh, "No, that's not it. Mm-hmm. Try again. Yep. Walk, bike around. Where is it? And, oh, there's that entrance ramp again. Dang it! Yeah, yeah, definitely. I with the first time I was on Jansen Beach, I actually thought it was Vancouver because I forgot that there was an island. Oh, so I yeah, crossed, yeah. I crossed the first like bridge and then was like really confused when I got out to the marina park. And then <laughs> was like, oh, wait, there is Vancouver. Vancouver's pretty empty. <laughs> yeah, very small uh, Washington state here. <laughs> but um, yeah, f- fun times. I think, the, I think the biggest thing with the bike path is you definitely are not, that's not a pathway that's carrying, carrying towards your interested but concerned category of bike rider. By, no, by any stretch. Um, it's and it's it's not really well marked. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> That's why it's an adventure. Yeah, I think yeah. the the biggest thing is the place you were talking about where it sort of takes you off of the path. Um, if I were to recommend one change for, I don't know, would it be Peabot that? Oh, or good maybe question. ODOT? Anyway, the folks come off of a exit to. My the guess island. it would be ODOT. Yeah, I think that's probably a that safe part. a safe guess. A shot in the dark. Um, you, the folks come off of it very quickly, and it basically turns into like a pedestrian path at the point that shares with bikes. So you have to do a really dangerous crossing because at speed, like you would want to yes. ride through, and and typically it's it's signage for pedestrians, but I, I don't actually remember if it has bicycle crossing on it too. It may now, but I don't think it used to. Uh, so you're trying to cross the street, but even as a pedestrian, it's a bit of a it's a bit harrowing uh, yeah. because folks are driving 50, 55 because they were just on the freeway right. and like there's nothing that really <laughs> slowing them down no, at, the, no. at the literal place where you need to cross a four-lane road. Um, so fun times. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned going from California to Arizona and I want to yeah. ask you about that. But first, I want to ask you what you're drinking. I'm having a Lionheart a lion heart <laughs> kombucha. I was gonna say you said it wrong. A lion heart. I think it's the. I think it's the like vocal fatigue from feeling a cack half sick this week. Oh yeah. Here I'll a lot. No, I don't. Even ha- <laughs> I, don't I don't have it. <laughs> all right, that's all you get. <laughs> a lion heart kombucha. You in almost, style of Tim Mooney. <laughs> you, you were almost waxing like towards John Luke Picard there. Oh, was I? Yeah. Yeah. Shoot, I can't. I'm all, not even going to try to do a lion, lion heart kombucha. <laughs> oh, it reminds me of um, what was it when Peter Seigal for Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me was interviewing William Shatner? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I've got a Shatner impression. And 
he just, Shatner just puts him on the spot and is like, show us. And so oh, no. <laughs> it, was, it was so funny. So <laughs> not that um, Picard would ever call the Sparka podcast and say, yeah, do your impression. Right. I'm, I'm not going to do my Picard right. impression. <laughs> um, he, I don't know if you ever saw it. This is totally off the subject. This <laughs> uh, is a short-lived series called Extras. Okay. Uh, it was on the BBC. It was Ricky Gervais's mm-hmm. creation. Mm-hmm. Was um, that pre-office or post-office? Post-office. Okay. Post-office. Oh. <laughs> uh, and he played an extra that like kind of had ambitions to be an actual actor. Mm-hmm. And uh, part of the premise of the show is like, there's all these other like big time actors that he's working mm-hmm. tangently with. And he mm-hmm. tries to like get to know or like, like uh, uh, rub, rub elbows with. Mm-hmm. Um, and he ends up befriending, uh, Patrick Stewart mm-hmm. in one episode and Patrick Stewart just keeps making all these Star Trek puns that nobody <laughs> nobody gets, you know. Was <laughs> it not like, part of the universe or I uh, I mean it no, it's not part of like the Star Star Trek universe so much as mm-hmm. I mean, yes, Patrick Stewart played himself. Yeah. Okay. You know, as Patrick Stewart and, you know, having come off. It was just so much I think that was that was the punchline of the joke is that like Patrick Stewart still is kind of living mm-hmm. half in the Star Trek, <laughs> you know, role and is hoping that, you know, everybody still like is getting it. And, yeah. and like these people, everybody else has moved on. And so yeah. like he would say like, you know, if you could find it in your heart to forgive him, <laughs> you should make it so. Oh man. And then like, it just falls flat and, and he'd be like, because that was, that was a thing I used to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's pretty funny. I mean, so can you imagine how many people who've quoted Star Trek over the years and like Patrick Stewart can just go about life. By the way, that was the it. worst Patrick Stewart impression. No, it was good. You, you had me riveted. No, it's it's okay. I I don't I don't mind. <laughs> well, I'm totally no. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. I can't. I like I I didn't even try. So what what do I have to say? <laughs> um, nice. What were we on? So. <laughs> California to Arizona. Oh, yes, yes, I yes. don't know if we ever talked about this on yeah. the show. And if we have, I forgot. And so hopefully our listeners have as well. So um, you went down. Did you bike down through California or did you train to California and then bike from California to Arizona? This one was a train to California. Okay. Um, so it, it was to San Diego was where I started. And... The reason for that was it was still early April, so not, like, bad. And how long ago was this? Oh, gosh. This was, like, 2012, 2013. Okay. So I think the closest I've come to this story is alluding to landing in Portland off of a failed bike trip, like, five years ago. <laughs> That's the bike trip. That's the bike trip. Oh, okay. Um, which I, I don't mind talking about. It's been a while. Um, suffice to say... Not everything works out, and that's okay. Uh, I but mean, you're here to tell the tale. I am here to tell the tale. Um, in fact, both of us are still in the world telling our tales, so it's, right it's a good deal. Um, the trip was just kind of like the urge of getting out of Alaska in the winter. So it's not the cold that got me, but I think that what I found out as a person is that the farthest north that I can sanely live is right around the Portland to Washington, okay. uh, like Seattle, Washington band. Um, the cold I love, but the darkness I don't. I was going to say, was it the like, you know, seven whatever weeks of only, only night? It was, it was like, I mean, it doesn't, 
it's a misnomer to say it doesn't get light in Alaska, but it doesn't get light in the same quality that most people would associate with sunshine. Okay. And so it'll it'll get lighter. Uh, but but suffice to say, it was it was not working out you know, in, in the sense that was constructive. And so I was like, yeah, let's go take a bike trip. Um, so we went out from San Diego and actually had a pretty good time doing a little bit of the 10, not, oh, it's highway 87. Is it the one or, oh. No, oh, it's like, okay. it's the closest highway to the border with Mexico that okay. one can go on. And part of it falls onto the ACA route for the Southern tier. And then I think, what ended up happening is we kind of like cut up and around because we were trying to make it to Phoenix and Phoenix does not have a very nice way to bike to it. So the early part of it was just getting like completely wrecked on hills. And I have a lot of like my like very formative memories from that trip because uh-huh. it was a lot of firsts like first don't camp in a ditch a mile from the border. Uh, <laughs> what are those lights? I don't know. Oh, that's border patrol. Maybe, oh, maybe we shouldn't oh. be camping in a ditch a mile from the border. Yes. Uh, so, well, certainly, if you were, don't I mean, don't leave your food and water there. Jo- jokes on border patrol because they didn't find us. But <laughs> <laughs> um, was was you know kind of interesting as just being like, and this was this was like 2012 or 2013. So uh-huh. it, even then, it felt very tense. And um, think things were pretty tense then too. Yeah, yeah i think it's i think it's been tense for a, a very a long very, time now yes yeah. an unnecessarily long time yeah <laughs> it's what is that living with um a certain like type of fatigue that's just in in the areas like yeah it's it's a thing here and yeah <laughs> that kind of jazz um but we did have a really good time in hakumba and if anybody ever is traveling down through that area hakumba is one of those places that used to be the main route and then when the interstate went in, all the business basically dried up and died. Oh. And, and the nice thing about Hakumba is they actually have some really great hot springs. And I would need to check up and see how Hakumba is doing because at that time, it was just kind of a local thing. And if you like had enough meals at the cafe, they'd be like, hey, by the way, like back behind this place next to the like wetlands is this hot springs. And it's just this tub out in the middle of nowhere. But like barely anybody traveled there so pretty Ah, much only the locals would go use it like kind of one of those fun spots um but they you know if you are bike touring bike tourists on average do stop more and spend more at each place they stop hakumba would be a spot um a spot to stop at i actually on the back of my bike if anybody's ever seen a photo of it i've got a little keychain that goes off of the back um the back seat on my brooks and that was actually a keychain it's got a couple of stones sort of beaded on a on a leather strap and those were a gift from the uh cafe owners in hakumba oh cool and i told them i'd put it on my bike and tour with it forevermore so ah, and until, you have until my saddle gets stolen or, the, or that <laughs> breaks off that will that will remain true um but from there uh the trip sort of went out towards the like breadbasket of california for lack of a better term i don't know the technical name for the valley but where where all the growing is happening yeah and ended up sort of working the way over to phoenix and that's actually where in that crossover between california and arizona uh it was or you took that freeway yep yeah. yep it was kind of classic because we took the freeway and as soon as i crossed the border i saw the first barrel cactus and i was like oh we must be in the desert it's, <laughs> it's arizona right right <laughs> and and that proceeded three days of riding on the interstate which was really not that fun um so i I imagine you you would just take you just take exits, I guess, if you wanted to like resupply or well, there's not really a resupply. Okay, so that 
touring in that particular area, it's more like, what do I need to do to make it to the next rest stop? Because if you're driving, every rest stop is maybe an hour, but the general rule of thumb I've found is an hour in a car equals what I can do on a day on a bike. So it was literally like, whew, got to make it to that rest stop. And then like, hopefully also find something somewhat close by that like won't arrest you or kick you out if you try (laughs) to like free camp. (laughs) Okay. So um, I think my favorite thing of that entire stretch was not the cars but you'll see this a little bit in eastern oregon there's some really nice dust devils that'll blow up uh-huh. and this was another one of my like ooh, the freedom of a bike you can stop a bike on a freeway and you can jump over a fence and you can run out into the, the desert and you can put yourself in the middle of a dust devil and you'll yeah. come out very like trashy and dusty at the end of it <laughs> but i'd always wanted to do that and i got many chances along that stretch yeah yeah i never thought like you could you could just do that because I've always ever seen them like from afar. Yeah, yeah. Or I, don't, I don't think I've ever seen them from my bicycle either, where I could oh. have the option. To they're just they're run pretty in. fun. Yeah. Um. I mean, like you'll you'll get really dirty, but you're probably already <laughs> like name. miserable yeah. and sweaty and dirty anyway. Yeah. So in my book, is like ah, oh, oh well. <laughs> right on. Um. Yeah. Moving along at like ten to eleven miles an hour, you're just kind of like chasing this dust devil. It's not like cyclonic, cyclonic. I'm not going to attempt that word. It doesn't really pick you up, but it definitely spins you around. And so... Really? Yeah. Huh. It, it'll it'll try to put a bit of turn on you. It, yeah. And you'll find yourself in the middle, and then you'll it, you'll kind of leave that that haven. And um, I, I don't know. If if you've not run in, the, in or through a dust devil the size of yourself or larger in life, if you get a chance... And you I haven't lived. I highly recommend it. <laughs> oh, you certainly lived. Um, but it's, you know swimming in streams or taking those little quiet moments or allowing yourself to not be so focused on the destination that you can't stop a trip in the middle of a desert when it's 90 degrees and go play in a dirt devil or a dust storm like yeah yeah there's something there's something like very intrinsically satisfying about that that makes sense yeah yeah i don't i I can't think of another time when i felt that particular way so I'll, i'll i'll stick with that um, so we went to Phoenix and was originally, so we found, um, a couple of warm showers hosts and stayed with some really nice folks that worked on, well, one of the guys that we stayed with had ridden a penny farthing with his band across the United States. Wow. Yeah. And it was like a touring, <laughs> uh, bike slash band. And so that's had, cool. Him and his dad put us up. They had like a little, um, garage space or such. And, uh, you know just like the people you meet on the road i think are most often the memories that stick with me i've seen a lot of beautiful places and a lot of scenic vistas and a lot of a lot of country yeah but what sticks with me is food and the memories i have with people right on yeah Yeah, i mean that seems to be the constant with everybody's like uh review of of whatever tour they're doing indeed you know and i mean that's that's what miles of portraits sort of is, is yeah uh, Annalisa the point they're they're driving home is that it's, it's about the people that you meet yeah yeah it really is everybody's story yeah. oh for sure i think um for me people and also the intersection of food like i i really like associating or, or to me like meals are very strongly associated with experiences and yeah. so if it's like if i meet somebody I have like a level of understanding of that interaction. But if I have a meal with somebody, it's like, Oh, like that will be in my mind forever. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it was really fun. There's a lot of really cool bike shops in, 
um, Phoenix, Arizona. You you wouldn't necessarily think it, but downtown they've got some near Tempe. Okay. And I think I'm remembering I might have corrected you on the show about Tempe, Tempe. I'm pretty sure it's Tempe. I, and I'm pretty sure right. I said the wrong thing oh. the first time. So if, if any of any listeners like, oh, yeah, back on episode 432. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think I got You'll it wrong. Know. All um, right. But with that, heading south out of Tempe and wound our way to Tucson. And Tucson's uh, actually just finished, I think, about five or six months ago. They have a really nice bike loop that's around the city. Uh, Tucson, if you're ever biking in that area, especially if you're looking to do like really active cycling towards um, endurance sports, such as climbing Mount Lemon, which is kind of a popular one out in that area. Uh, a lot of road riders will do that. And then Tempe itself for just kind of getting around on a bike. You wouldn't necessarily think it, but it's actually really good. Really? Yeah. Huh. They they have a pathway that sort of follows the river and it now connects to pretty much everything. So it's been a long time coming. Uh, but but even when we were there, the connectivity of that city really surprised me. Wow. I mean, especially coming from Phoenix. Like yeah. it's yeah. it's it's not hard to beat that. Sorry, Phoenix. <laughs> but um but yeah, Tucson had it going on. Tucson Tucson is uh is on top of things. So. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Indeed. Um, and that was the end of that trip. But I, I kind of debated whether I should just like keep going solo. Uh-huh. And then I decided that that would not be a good idea. No. So okay. in, in Portland, I landed. And uh, six years later, here I am. It, and here you are. <laughs> um, what is... See, so you talk about like, yeah, it's the people that, that you know, really stuck with you. Do you, do you have you kept in contact with anybody? I have a couple of warm showers contacts that that's cool. Um, there, yeah. So there's one family, Bill and Jerry, uh, that do some really cool bike trips, and they live in a retirement community in just south. I think it, I, I can't remember if it's Gold, it's Gold something, but just south of Phoenix, basically. Uh-huh. So as you're making your way out of the town, um, we email back and forth probably like once or twice a year, just kind of depending. And what's funny is um, when my mom was like looking for places in the world to go check out she uh-huh. got in touch with them and like oh went, really yeah ah. and just sort of it, yeah i mean you meet you meet like i view every like opportunity just kind of in the sense that that might become something that's a lifelong contact um i have a really good friend who does a lot of really amazing activism work and he is a photographer so this is a separate trip we're switching now to my my ride from portland down to san diego which was in i think 2014 2015 so a couple of years later. yeah a couple of yeah. years later basically when i like saved up enough and i was like haha i can go by again. <laughs> i can do this one more time yeah <laughs> oh yeah well hopefully not one more time <laughs> i mean you know again <laughs> oh, oh yes <laughs> yeah, yes yeah, indeed yeah. indeed um so yeah jonathan is his name and we email each other at least like once or twice a month whenever he's in portland uh-huh. he either stays over or we hang out oh cool um, and he does a lot of work in nepal and then also kind of bases out of california so he um is sending me a print i just was fortunate enough to to snag one of those so i'll have a picture right of his on. on my wall and um these are the people you meet you know just on the road and have potential to have lifelong friends so i i dig it <laughs> Um, touring in 2014 into San Diego versus touring in 2012, 2013, maybe, mm-hmm. um, or not into, was it, sorry, San Diego, San Diego, starting, into San Diego. Yeah. And then from San Diego to, uh, Tucson. Arizona or Tucson, that was in 20, 
12, 2013, yeah, maybe. Right around there. Um, were there things between those two that, like, sort of lessons or whatever that you said, like, okay, I'm not going to repeat this on mm. this that I did on the previous tour that I did. I'm not going to do that on this tour. Like, in terms of root or just sort of style or approach? Rooting or, or, um, um, carrying mm-hmm. you know uh if there was something that you were like yeah i'm definitely not gonna oh. take that with me huh. yeah or i carry the kitchen sink every time yeah <laughs> <laughs> the same the same kitchen sink i carried in 2012 was probably actually bigger and in 2014 uh, oh yeah yeah <laughs> i can see that because i had all this fun we're like, like i did this i did this all right in 2012 mm-hmm. let's let's uh carry a couple more things because yeah. There's other things that I thought I wasn't going to need. Exactly. Fortunately, I didn't. But now but that I know I can carry this, I bet I could even carry this. Oh, for yeah. sure. Well, and like I tend to take my time about getting to a place. And uh-huh. so for me, carrying that little bit of extra, it is hard to decide because I'm not necessarily trying to race it. And so that to me sure. is like, well, why sure. why wouldn't I carry a little bit of extra? I think I think the 2014 trip really did a lot for me in terms of making me understand like how difficult it was to haul gear all over the place so i i did end up sending a couple of things back when we got to crescent city in california um i and it's partly because i think that going into that experience and especially it being like only the second well third time technically that i'd done something like that um i had an idea of like all of these possibilities and i've always been really big into film and video but i think what i a shift that's occurred for me is I'm not trying to like make a one person media empire anymore. <laughs> like I don't know if you've been to pedaldream.com lately, like, yeah, I've got a website, but I'm, it's not like I'm putting up articles every week or something like okay. that. Um, but at that time I very much was like into that. And so I got like halfway through the trip and kind of just realized that I enjoyed doing it more than I enjoyed like feeling like I needed to tell the world about it. Okay. And so I have blogs that go down to like LA and I actually have like photos and content for everything else. It's 2019 and I still haven't posted <laughs> it. Um, you know, cause I met people like Jonathan and it was just off to the races. Uh-huh. And so we connect over photography, but I found that if I'm in that environment, I basically have to be touring solo for me to take the time. Cause otherwise you're just managing your time expenditure versus everybody else. Sure. So the bigger the group gets, especially if you're touring a popular route, the more you'll want to just ride with people than to be like, hey, can like five people stop so I can take some photos? Yeah. And like I mean, I like, I love taking pictures of, of places that I'm at um, and like having that. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a very visual person. Mm-hmm. But also I wonder on some hand, like if that takes you out of the moment and sort of makes um the the experience a little less sacred yeah i think it's very individual i'd uh-huh. say for me that was something that i came to terms with so for, i would i didn't find myself always able to do that um and i'm i'm usually pretty like i try and i try to mostly do like landscapes and I, i'm not what i'd say is a comfortable like people photographer like i do i've done weddings and portraits quite often but that's because somebody contacted me and was like, hey, can you do this for us? Right. But I wouldn't, I, I just kind of like being a part of the movement of, of just how things are going more so right. than like maybe interjecting with a camera or 
really trying to do that. I think I like telling stories and I like telling stories visually, but for me, I actually would rather just not take a photo of somebody or like ask if it's okay. I'd rather just like hang out with somebody. And so when you're traveling and you're with people all the time, you either get yeah. a bunch of nature shots or you're that type of person who is just really able to kind of like work with folks in terms of a photographic sense because that that that's a lot of the style of photography that you'll see is travel photography is like people in places. But for me that never never felt quite like it's set right. And so I'd rather just like get great ideas from people that I'm talking with and then sure. go take photos there. <laughs> Let the professionals handle it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> or, or you know, the folks like literally making a living from telling right. stories yeah. around the world. Yeah. Um, and I, I think I've definitely got some stories in me, but I, it became more of a personal um, quest or a more, or not a quest, a more, more personal. Sure. I wanted to enjoy it for myself instead of trying to like pump that out to the world. <laughs> no, anybody's, I guess also following on Twitter is like, yeah, you haven't posted in a while. It's like, yeah, because <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I, I, I think a big shift that's been happening for me over the recent years is just trying to remember more with my mind than okay. trying to capture moments in time, but still really appreciating when I do get into the groove, what that brings me. So it's more like meditative and especially with landscapes, you can take the time to go find someplace gorgeous sure. and yeah. um, take your time about it. Be, be methodical. No, that totally makes sense. Um, what is something that you would? Ooh, I could, I could actually like get a little more. Um, sorry, layered. You're good uh, with this question. Please do. Is there something 2014 you mm -hmm. would have liked to have said to 2012 you? And is there something that present you would like to tell either of those mm. yous? 2014 me would tell 2012 me that you shouldn't be too hard on yourself. And 2019 me would tell 2015 me you shouldn't be too hard on yourself. <laughs> like, I think that's the... Yeah. I, I, I mean, any any of us could really like yeah. be taking that advice, right? Um, yeah. You know, it's, I think, especially with touring, it's really easy to get a lot, a lot of expectations. And sure. so the more complexity you add to that, the more chance there is for expectations to be different. And for me, I think that one of the things that bike touring really allows me to do is to like slow my brain down and to like literally just take things day by day. Mm, uh, nice. And so in that mindset, it's not that it's going to like make everything that was affecting you in life magically go away and all of a sudden you'll be this radically <laughs> right. transformed person who's really good at a few things and not so good at others but i think that's why i seek that is because a lot of times i do need to slow my brain down and just let myself relax a sure. little bit uh so i think that's what i seek out of touring in general yeah and, uh, well and you mentioned like expectations mm -hmm. and like unmet expectations sort of being being uh the impetus mm -hmm. for for uh i don't, don't want to say misery that isn't it's the right not, word but no i mean if you think about it conflict or or something yeah I'm, I'm thinking of like some famous uh psychologists and and people may have heard this saying is like the trick to a satisfied life is to have low expectations or, or <laughs> oh, something right. like that um it, it, that's a bit glib but at the same time i think it's something that i continue to seek and to strive for and so the 
trips, you know, in in the same way that we joked about tandem bikes and like couple touring and kind of do like, uh-huh. it, it's not going to fix anything, but it is going to lay some things a bit more raw. And sure. If it's painful and if it is hard and if it doesn't work out or even if it does, what it allows you to do is just kind of get a different perspective about it. And so it's all about that that shift in perspective. And so um, I, I seek that perspective a lot and, and bike touring in very few ways that I found like it give that in, in spades. Yeah. No, that, that, that makes sense. Like, um, the, the trips I've gone on with Anna, not cycling trips, but, um, even, even just not even on a trip, just the bigger arguments we've ever had almost, no, I would say 100% comes down to like unmet expectations Mm -hmm. or like me having an expectation Mm -hmm. or, or an outcome in mind that ends up not matching the reality of the situation and you get disappointed and and yeah. And then the disappointment and you know, (laughs) it's like that, that sort of, uh, watered down version of Buddhism Mm -hmm. of like, you know, uh, misery comes from having, uh, desire. And so, okay, well I just won't desire anything. Well, that's not realistic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, yeah. but that's, it's an easy way or an easy place for my brain to go to whenever I'm, I'm like feeling that way. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, never mind then. I'll just, just be here. Yeah. And I, I won't expect anything. Yeah. It can and, feel, and, you know, yeah. That, that doesn't, that doesn't help any of us grow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and it just kind of like puts you into that situation in a way that you would be able to maybe gloss over or, or like straight up ignore in other contexts. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I'm not, I'm not even just saying this like in a couple scenario. I think just generally in life. Like oh, we yeah. Get, um, I could, I could even like go with, you know, bike touring with Brock and Adele and in, in the times that we haven't got along, hmm. you know, coming down to like one of us or, and I, I really will only speak for myself, like just not, not, or having an expectation that just is unmet mm-hmm. for whatever reason, you know? Yeah. So my question to you. Yeah. Be in in moments of that uh what have you found that helps you adapt or, or what, what gets you over that <laughs> what uh or what gets you through mostly you know i'm I'm the worst at this honestly like but mostly i've just found like if i can just sit with it um and find a way to just have a a moment with myself to be able to like talk myself into the reality of the situation hmm. you know um and some sometimes that that works to my uh detriment to where like you know there's that fine line you ride between like talking to yourself talking yourself into like like accepting it or berating yourself yeah. into accepting yeah. it and it's dangerous to tear yourself down yeah 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 exactly exactly Harmful, even. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and so sometimes i do need you know, and I'm fortunate enough to have a partner that does this. Sometimes I do need like somebody to like pull me out of myself and say like, you know, it's not as bad as you think it is in your head. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think in maybe a re, uh, reanalyzing the question you'd asked earlier about advice to oneself. Uh I think that it could also be summed up or maybe even better summed up to a degree by saying in both cases, it's not a race. Like, ah. like you you are where you are <laughs> yeah you're doing what you're doing yeah. and you know what that's okay yeah like it's okay uh i think that especially on the the earlier trip i had a lot of like 
aspirations. And I mean, I was what, like 22, 23, like really, right. like, not that I'm not looking to apply myself to the world in general, but like really, really, <laughs> I'm <like>, done. <laughs> I was really, if I looked at that sort of snapshot of myself, I was really craving validation through like putting something out there. Sure. And I'd say that more so. And not to sound like glib about it. I think that's sort of the age where that happens. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. And that's like, that's what I'm seeing, yeah. you know, as I look back on things. And so it's more, more these days, um, finding like that sense of self-worth and self-appreciation and still doing the things that you love and being applied to the universe or, or whatever your situation is, but, um, not, you know, being so hard on yourself. Yeah. Maybe I, yeah. I came right back to being hard on that. myself, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's not a race. It's yeah. about the experience. And I think it's incredibly easy to lose sight of that sometimes. Totally. Totally. Um, switching gears slightly. Yeah. With my friction shifters. Do it. <laughs> oh, uh, chain. oh no. Things looking forward to you once mm-hmm. the weather gets nicer or even just in the immediate future. Yeah. What um, is, what is, cause we're, you know, it's still January. It's still, even though I think the statistic I read is like, 87% of people have already given up on their New Year's resolution. Really? Ooh. I have not. You, But you set New Year's resolution. No, that's why I haven't oh, given I was up gonna on say, mine. <laughs> high five. We're in the same boat. <laughs> How do you not have Win by technicality. <laughs> well, it's that expectation. My expectation was I would set no New Year's resolution, <laughs> and I didn't. <laughs> Therefore, I'm happy. Right on. <laughs> uh, um, there's, there's things I want to do in 2019, but I'm not holding myself right, to that. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, things... Things you would like to do for 2019, looking forward here yeah. from, from January on out. From January? Well, I would have to start off with a neat Pedal Palooza event that might be happening. Yes. With our friend Tim Mooney at the Pedal Shift Project. project. Um, so with its, I, I think we can let the cat out of the bag. Like it's gonna yeah, happen. Yeah, I mean it's, it's gonna, gonna it's gonna happen. We had just I don't think set a date yet. Oh, okay. And well, how how it's date. going to happen is is also sort of up in the air, but I think whether or not it's going to happen is fixed, mm-hmm. and that yes, it will happen. Nice, yeah. So we're gonna do kind of like a podcast pedal palooza ride. Yes, we're not a hundred percent sure of the specifics, but it will be a joint effort by the Sprocket Podcast and the Pedal Shift Project, and. We will be riding around and interviewing people and perhaps visiting where we record yes. and doing some fun things. We may end up here in the studio. We may we'll... just end up recording people who want to be recorded saying hello to the Sparket <laughs> Podcast and the Pedal Ship Project. Um, yeah, I'm excited about that. I was really happy to see um, that email. Yeah. Tim proposed the idea. And um, as far as things to look forward to in 2019, that's coming right down the line. Uh, other things I'm looking forward to, I'd like to get back into doing more like weekend trips i feel like i've yeah. kind of fallen off that boat just a little bit I, I still do a bunch of riding around town um but just in terms of my current situation i i haven't for some reason gotten that impetus to just get out and what i what i think i'll look forward more to is just shoving myself out the door and it's weird because i'll take trips or like i like to bike when it's kind of extreme weather uh yeah just because like i get something out of that like when we had the uh, fire that was happening in the gorge a little while ago. You um, bike through the fire? 
Well, we didn't bike through the fire. <laughs> we tried to escape That's, the fire will, and, right. and failed at Forest Grove, where it was like, nope, it's still raining it's ash. Still, yeah. <laughs> um, but got some like masks and kept riding. <laughs> the so it's not that I'm saying like, oh, there needs to be a wildfire, and then Guthrie will get his butt on a bike again. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I kind of miss do, like popping out and doing uh-huh. those little like one or two day adventures. Um, so I think I'm gonna make a goal, not necessarily hold myself to it strictly but a goal of doing that at least once a month an aspiration per se yeah an aspiration um and in that the there are a couple of like longer touring rides that i'm or not longer but rides that get out and do a little bit sort of, touring. of multi-day multi-day yeah. let's call it like a weekend trip sure um but kai at upcycles used to do a really fun one out to banks for Nonia. and so i i had i don't know if i've seen it on the calendar a little bit but i i'm thinking too of maybe uh, instead of doing the Guthrie ride, doing like an overnight ride. <gasps> oh my gosh. Like or maybe both. I don't know. <laughs> um, I just feel like there's so many cool things on the Pedal Palooza calendar. And I, maybe 2019 is just that year of change. Okay. Um, I, I probably will still do the Guthrie ride, all, all things being equal. Well, have you made 10 years of the Guthrie already? Uh, we're on year four. So okay. We're working our way there. Oh, really? It's only been four years? It's only been four. It's... But it's been so fun every year. Yes. That it seems like. It, it honestly just seems like it's it's always been there. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, you know, it's hard to crown getting hit on your bike during, <laughs> oh, during your own pedal during your ride. Own ride. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which, you know, went as well as it could have. But it kind of got me thinking. <laughs> and I was like, oh, what, like, what if I could do a ride differently? But that doesn't anyway. have to cross a freeway or highway. That, that's, or well, that would just be. That, that to me would be. Um, I, that's where that like internal struggle against the quote unquote like man comes along. Sure. And I'm, like, I'm not going to stop riding on the freeway just because I got hit. Just because, like, yeah. <laughs> if, if anything, my idea and uh, don't quote me on this, Rocket listeners was was talking about more of like a uh, a freeway ride itself. So oh, yeah? I actually kind of went yeah. the opposite direction on that. <laughs> um, so I need to find like a space of freeway that could be ridden on, or I don't know. I'm I instead of just being like, yep, that's what I'm going to do. Let's just say I'm keeping my mind open to right tantalizing on. ideas that could could either build upon or be something uh, else than that ride for this year. We we shall see. Sweet. Um, in terms of summer plans, I I think I just generally like to like I follow through on traveling more. It's so easy to just get like stuck in Portland, and I think more so what I'm feeling like 2018, 2019 is just that itch. You know, mm, if you're a bike yes. tour, you you get that little. That little thing yes. that just sticks somewhere inside of you and you can't really scratch it or, or get to it other than like hopping on your bike and piecing out for a month or two. So I've been wanting to do the Alaska to Patagonia trip. Um, yes, we've been, been bit, talking about this. We have just for a little while now. It's been finance bound for the most part. And so what what I think I'm realizing is that that doesn't necessarily preclude my ability to do like smaller stuff. And I think I... This is this is a Guthrie thing. Is I, uh, I often look uh, at things, you know, only in spite of myself as mutually exclusive. When in reality, it's more shades of uh, in between. Yeah, and so trying to keep that in mind going into twenty nineteen. How about yourself? Any plans? Well, you know, talking about Pedal Palooza. Um, Pedal Palooza. Yes, I promised Anna I was not going to work over the summer. Okay. Nice. And I've been saving up and hopefully Ooh. I won't have to, or if I do, it'll be like just piecemeal, um, which frees me up for things like Pedal Palooza. Mm-hmm. We have a visitor coming. 
We do. Um, so I look forward to showing this person around. Uh, and also, I led a ride last year. It was like the last school day of the year ride down oh, to nice. the beer mongers. Okay. Real simple ride, but I think I'll do it again okay. just because, you know, why not? Speaking um, of the beer mongers, not to interject oh, too much. Geez, I don't think we sweet. mentioned where these gorgeous <laughs> and very tasty <laughs> we talked about are from. We talked about what you were drinking, but then like Our listeners will probably flew, have right off, <laughs> flew right off into a tangent there. Yes. The beer mongers on Southeast Division and 12th. Thank you to our generous Thank you so much. supporter. Um, so, yeah, the ride down to Beer Mongers for Pedal Palooza. Yep. Last, you know, last school day of the year, meet up at Farragut Park um, right there in North Portland. It's the closest park to our uh, to our bus yard mm-hmm. and uh, just ride down. I might actually route it this time as opposed to like just follow Vancouver down mm-hmm. to the Esplanade. Oh, yeah. Boom. <laughs> yeah. Shot. I mean, it's it's fine, but like. Mm-hmm. There's other parts of Portland, and you don't have to follow, fight. Uh, uh, what am I trying to say? Uh, traffic, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, rush hour traffic. Uh, so there's that. I too have been like feeling the travel itch. Mm-hmm. I've gotten my travel, you know, itch scratched a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been doing some traveling, but that's like mostly plane traveling. And then, yeah. like, you know, I get to a destination. I will say I'm getting very intimately uh, familiar with uh, the transit system in Minneapolis. Okay. And it it works pretty well. Um, nice. Yeah, I really like it. But I have yet to, like, actually take my bike anywhere. Mm. And I've come to find I was I was looking into boxing my bike. I may have built that a little too well. And that's not to say, like... You know, I'm so great or anything. Mm-hmm. I built it in such a way that I don't think I can take it apart oh, really? anymore. Oh, wow. <laughs> what? Know, uh, in, did you like super glue stuff? No, on? no, no. Nothing, oh, okay. nothing like that. But <laughs> I'm like, to picture it. You know, to take it apart and to box it just takes so many, so many more steps. Yeah. Than yeah that makes sense. Another bike, you know, and Anna suggested, well, you just, why don't you just take the mischief bike with you? Hmm. Um, I mean, that's so small, it could just fit in the box without having to take it apart. Mm-hmm. But there's no other bike that I want to take with me. Sorry, other bikes. But They're then, then the red hair among... Right, yeah. There's no other bike that I want to take with me on a trip than the red hair among horses. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no other bike that is built for being on a long trip of yeah, any kind, yeah. whether it's just, you know, flying into Minneapolis and like spending a few days biking around the city mm-hmm. or like, you know, going down the coast of California like I did with it. Yeah. Or hopefully one day in the future, maybe not this summer, going out to, you know, Missoula, Montana and mm-hmm. visiting my family Ooh. by bike that way. Yeah. Plus you could drop by ACA. Yeah. Yeah. And if you have a pan you might be able to convince them to give you an ice cream. <laughs> to get some ice cream. Yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, so there's, there's that, um, but traveling with my bike, you know, one, one way around it would be like, oh, just get a Brompton, but because mm. it, it's that simple. Right. Um, but I want to, yeah, I want to be able to like travel. And if it means like flying, because I'm really liking this flying life, um, then learning how to like take apart and put together my bike, mm-hmm. uh, quickly you could do you could do like a version of the mechanic challenge 
that I right? I hope is a pedal palooza ride this year. <laughs> uh, except for it can be the, the can teardown challenge, challenge, the box it challenge. Yeah. yeah, I know. Like for touring bikes, I I feel you. On the trip to India, I like really had a difficult time getting my front rack to fit in a box and for everything to go together. So like I've got, I feel like maybe less than half of what you've got on the red hair mom horses <laughs> and i still had a bit of a time of it but sure. like I, I feel like once you get that system then it's a system so true i think there's a lot of merit to it's that just a, a matter of maybe like you know tearing it down and building it back up a number of times yep. until you get it right yeah well yeah and are you going standard bike box or are you thinking of getting like a travel case or because i'm thinking if it Cause you My original think- idea would just be to box it, in okay. all honesty. Gotcha. Just because like, uh, most of the bike bags I've seen or, or travel cases that I've seen like means that I have to take like the fork off mm. and, mm-hmm. you know, um, I don't know. I would still have to do that with a regular bike box, wouldn't I? Yeah. yeah. Well, no, you wouldn't have to take the fork off. Okay. You What you'd want to do is get all the spacers to make sure it doesn't like punch through the box or your forks don't get bent. Right. Um, and usually most bike shops that build at least a bike a week would have like a hundred or 500 of those sitting around if you ask at the right time. Um, the, is your top tube cut down or is it full stack? Nope. I cut it. You, you cut it. That would be, I cut it too short. In all honesty, (laughs) you're probably fine then. Cause the only issue I've run against is I have a USB charger on the top of my tube. Right. And that was actually taller than the bike box so i ended up having to like take that off in addition to a couple of other things ah. and then like reassemble it but the the fork itself its stem was not too long just with the addition of that top tube so for me it was that like last inch but okay well if, if you're looking for some help in, in assembling your bike i'm sure you've got it but i'd be happy to oh, really lend a hand. it's it's not so much like i know i could tear it apart okay. <laughs> it's keeping track of everything to uh, build it back up again Sometimes uh, when I'm doing like computer repair, I'll actually just turn on a video or like I'll I'll film myself doing it uh-huh. because then at least at the very worst, if I lose a part, I can just rewatch rewatch the video and be like, ah, that's, that's where, where you did that. Yeah, <laughs> it has yeah. saved my bacon. A time uh, or two. Way way in the way back when we were in the IPRC, uh, our good friend Jeff Everett took apart our old mixer for us because mm-hmm. um, one of the one of the sliders like just wasn't working right. And it was just a matter of like cleaning out the dust and, you know, um, I don't know, like re-securing the connection on that slider, Mm -hmm. but he took it apart and he had like, uh, brought with him a, uh, egg carton, Mm. an empty egg carton and, you know, put all the like screws in one slot and all the like screws in another slot. Totally. Yeah. It's a great way to do it. (laughs) Yeah. Um so that said 2019. Yeah, I I see a lot of plane travel in my future. I just really am hoping to also bring the bike along with me. Indeed. Yeah. It's always fun to bring a bike along. Yes. Well. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> I, have we have we exhausted I think so. well, our 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 uh I don't know, our conversational options. Hmm. That was five seconds of excellent silence. I'd say it's time for our calendar. Sounds good. <laughs> and looking forward to uh, seeing seeing the bike box thing come together. <laughs>
If if people are looking to check in to more about your bike boxing, Aaron, where where can they find you? Um, I have done a lot of posting on the Sprocket Instagram. Oh, okay. Even even <laughs> if it's not necessarily Sprocket related, I try to wedge some sort of relation to. But the, there's to Sprockets it. in there. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. That's really well. There is Anna and I share an Instagram, but it is private. So oh, okay. if you find us and request us, we might add you in. Okay, but you'll have to find them first. But you have to find us and then request <laughs> us because, yeah, it it got a little weird for a second when we were public. Um, somehow we became a target for bots. Oh, real quickly. Yeah, so we decided to to switch it to private. That makes sense. Anyways, here's our calendar. Don't don't ever use that. Don't worry, Tim. We will. <laughs> the second Thursday of every month, the Joyful Riders Club in Minneapolis. The second Friday of every month, the Boston Bike Party. Also the second Friday of every month, the Indianapolis Bike Party. Also, also the second Friday of every month, the East Bay Bike Party. The last Friday of every month, the Baltimore Bike Party. And every second Sunday of every month, right here in PDX, the Corvidae Bike Club Ride. That was my sick cough. <laughs> oh. It's all right. I'm getting a little better. Uh, February 1st, critical mass planning meeting. I'll do two cacaos next week. <laughs> February 16th, the Slough Country Ramble. And February 20th, um, very special to me, is the Bikes of Wrath last chance to see on the big screen. Right uh, here in Portland. Indeed. And we'll be covering more of this in the news. So I will save it for that. March 9th, the Dead Freeways Ride. Oh, yeah. Um, And we got some upcoming Film by Bike tour dates. Boise, Idaho. Hey, that's coming gone. L.A., California. Coming up in a few days, January 27th, Hood River, Oregon. February 12th, Arcata, California, March 15th. And our good friends in Bendigo, Australia, October 4th. Speaking of tour dates, Miles of Portrait which we referenced earlier, Annalisa and Eric are touring REIs on the East Coast. And we missed a bunch, but on the 29th, they have a showing in New York, New York, and on the 31st in Paramus, New Jersey. Right on. What can compare with the thrill of a brand new bike? I like my bike, it's fast. I like my bike, it's fast. I like my bike, it's fast. It circles around the city lights. Pedal just as fast as we can into the morning light. Pedal just as fast as we can into the daylight. Pedal just as fast as we can into the nightlight. Pedal just as fast as the legs will let us. Your pedal just as fast as we can into the morning We've got Top of the Headlines is Bikes of Wrath, uh, which will be at the Regal Fox Tower Stadium 10 in downtown Portland. The show itself if anybody has been to film by bike in the past or uh, if you look online there's a trailer for the bikes of wrath uh, but it was i think five gents from australia who decided to four gents i'm well, seeing five, five and four yeah i think Gosh. well i just we'll watched watch i movie. just watched the trailer oh, okay anyways you're good um so we have some gents from australia of uh the the one whom I know the best is Charlie, who's one of the filmmakers, and they went to the U.S. and decided to ride across the United States to ask the question and find out what really is this U.S. thing. And in their the way of their journey, they, um, as one would traveling across the states, have 
a very vast array of experiences and people that they met and got to know and uh, either helped out or were helped out by. And it was the trailer which made it into Film by Bike, I believe it was two years ago now, uh, if anyone does remember seeing it. But the movie is finally out and released. And so um, they are working with Demand Film to have a special showing right here in PDX. And it's one of it's a pretty neat one. So if you are like on the fence, I will be there because uh, I, I really enjoyed it and uh, really had a fun time sort of showing yeah. Charlie around town when he was here. It's kind of like the warm showers experience without technically going through warm showers because you we were hosting for <laughs> right, Filmed for by, film bike. by Bike. Um, yeah. But yeah, just I, you know, one of those things where you're like, ah, I lo- would love this for this to happen. And then, oh gosh, it's actually happening. Like, it's I'm, a thing. I'm excited yeah. to be able to go see it. Um, um, it's worth mentioning they, so it's called Bikes of Wrath yes. um, because sort of the inspiration for this, what or That's the correct. impetus of this, they're following the route the uh, the Jode family took in um, John Steinbeck's Grapes of Wrath, mm-hmm. which, by the way, one of my favorite books of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I I was honestly like struck by that, mm-hmm. and and also a little angry yeah. <laughs> because it's like, <laughs> man, why couldn't I have thought of that? Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, and um, they also, uh, what did they do? Oh, they used the same money that, or not the same money, but uh, the, the same US amount of money, yeah, yeah the, that current. the Jodes that the Jodes used, you know, inflated to current standards. Mm-hmm. And the figure still amazes me. Yeah, it was still like only four hundred some dollars. Yeah, you know, to go from, um. Gosh, I don't remember exactly from where to where. It was started in Oklahoma. I, I believe. believe so. Oklahoma um, ending in somewhere in California. That would um, that would follow the novel. I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I believe. <laughs> I can't, can't believe that. You know, you I do. just went to say it's one of my favorite books of all time, and oh, now I'm not like, gosh, you know, I do that all the time. <laughs> yeah, um, you're good. But yeah, going from Oklahoma to California on only like four hundred some dollars. Yeah, you know. Well, and. If you do the math and you take Oklahoma to California, you take 400, you divide it by four, and then you figure, like, I would say... Right, that's e- the thing. Like touring through the U.S. is like 12 bucks a day if you're really trying to scrape. You can get by on less, uh-huh. but uh, yeah, that's not a lot of money to travel that many states. It's not a lot. And honestly, if you really want to do the Grapes of Wrath experience, one of you has to give birth along the way. It's true. So there's also that. <laughs> I'd be curious to see in the <laughs> film terrible. when they when they got to that section. They they probably did not pantomime that. No, uh, I doubt that. The yeah, just I like, thought I thought it was cool though because the it's very interview mm-hmm. heavy as well. Um, not just you know them talking about their experiences, but also like talking with everybody that they, or other people that they meet along the way, yeah, and yeah. just you know asking them like you know what do you know about the Dust Bowl era. You know, and and like you know, how did you settle here, mm-hmm. so to speak? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it should should be a, an amazing film. Um, and the neat thing about it is, if you're feeling non-committal, as sometimes one does, it only will show if the minimum is met. So they have oh, forty-five tickets left. Really? Last time I checked, uh, that need to sell. Once they sell forty-five, it's on. It's going. Okay. Um, but yeah, if you're interested. You feel, should do feel it. Feel free to go, and because you know you're not going to lose out if it doesn't if it right doesn't on. make that minimum for some reason. But um, yeah, I was just really excited to get that email from Charlie a couple of weeks ago, and thought it might interest a couple of other folks in the PDX yeah. region as well. Um, 
next up, this is one you just posted recently, um, and I haven't got a chance to really comb through this, so you'll still end up having to take the lead. That's okay. Would you like me to take the lead? Yes. Another study blames Uber and Lyft for public transit's decline. No way! What? Uh, And this is off of CityLab.com. When Uber and Lyft arrived on the urban transit scene a decade ago, they claimed to pair well with buses and trains by shuttling rides to train stations, guaranteeing late-night returns, and plugging in as paratransit, on-demand transportation could encourage travelers to abandon private cars and use public modes, they said. And guess what? A lot of people believe them. Emphasis mine. Uh, But now, public transit systems are in crisis. Some 31 of 35 major metropolitan areas in the United States lost passengers in 2017, including the cities with the largest ridership bases. Um, And we've talked a little bit about this on the show as well, or just if we talk about the divide between autonomous cars and the rideshare economy, and then also that that transition in between, I think the the vision for autonomous is that the vehicle would actually be shut off. Um, but in many cases, I mean, if you're talking Lyft or Uber, that's not necessarily going to be the case because there's a human in there that probably wants to stay warm. Yes, or or other means. Also, I want to call bullshit on yep. paratransit. <laughs> Hey, it sounds good. Let's put it on a yeah, bird. yeah. Do do you even know what paratransit means? Uh, <laughs> I actually don't know. Oh no, I, I wasn't good... asking oh, you so oh, okay. much as Uber. well. I took you literally. <laughs> 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 I'm picturing paratroopers, and I know that that's not correct. No, no. I mean, we're talking to like you know, like uh, handicap accessible uh, transit. Okay. Unless maybe I don't know what paratransit means. You probably know what paratransit <laughs> means. But yeah, you know, I call bullshit. Like, how many Uber? Uh, rides have you seen that uh, were to cater for mm, yeah. uh, people with, with various disabilities? I mean, to uh, my knowledge from just interacting <laughs> and, and you know, not all disabilities are something you can, like, see. Good point but, as well. Um, to my knowledge, I've seen none. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, no, I'm calling bullshit on that one. And it really gets under my skin pretty quickly when people try to use handicap accessible as a selling point mm. when it really that's all it is yeah is a selling point yeah uh, it's the feel good the bloat word yeah the, the oh yeah. we don't need to focus paratransit accessibility mm-hmm. you know these these like buzzwords like just look at our sidewalks yeah <laughs> for for a great example when people talk about accessibility mm-hmm. you know we're we're trying to increase accessibility into our neighborhood well, let's work on the sidewalks then. Why is there still a six-inch curb at the corner? Yeah. You know, yeah. things like that. Um, sorry, Uber. We're calling BS. We're, call- we're calling bullshit on that, and I'm calling bullshit on how you worked well. I will, I will eat my words just now and say when I'm in Minneapolis and I can't quite get that connection off the blue line from the airport, Oh, we will hail an Uber oh. the the rest of the way to Anna's apartment. So yeah. yes, it does pair well. However, does it pair more than having transit? Right, exactly. Like, is it a good? Is it a better trade off than just increasing or improving transit? Yeah. Well, it's interesting too because, like, the thing that blew me away was. So, I read the word Uber and Lyft, and then I read the word decade, and I was like, oh, shit, it's been a decade. It's been 10 years already? <laughs> I mean, you know, they had to start some sometime. Yeah. I, they weren't in Portland 10 years ago. Right. Um, but, like, wow. I, 
it's really been a bit of time. And one of the interesting things um, with something being on the street so long is just kind of that interesting conversation that we have between public and private sphere, and then also the ability of cities to, in some ways, negotiate, in some ways, dictate, and in other ways, just get flat out run over. Uh, famous example was uh, Uber's application or or they were able to identify in some form or fashion public officials in portland when they were running illegally to and and so i can't pull you up the news article that says this exactly so take it with a grain of salt but i would love to find that bike portland article i'm believing is where i saw that but some way to at least on some level detect if there were regulation um enforcers that were trying to use the service to give tickets to people running the service was was the word on the street Uh, as, uh. as far as i remember it um, but I think what's interesting, and we've seen this, especially in regards to the scooter release, uh, another example of public space being used in, uh, I'm not going to say collaboration, but in cons- in consideration with uh, private transit options, was Portland really, I think, understood the playing field a bit better and, and felt better about saying like, nope, you kind of need to play by our rules. It's not just show up and yeah. go. Yeah. So. And they did that, the that same provides me with, hope. with Uber. Yeah. 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 Um, I think it's, I think it's for me, it's that, you know, when we as cities are able to have everybody have a seat at the table. So the policy's got to be informed by the populace as a whole, not just the most vocal or the most able to right. make said policy. But generally speaking, when regulators, I, I prefer the approach where regulators come in and say, yeah, you really can't screw around with what we're trying to work. You can work with us in these ways, but you can't come in and just like throw that right. all out the window. So I feel like uh, the scooters kind of got the hate in terms of that. Like they no. did a good release, but I wish that same, you know, I can't turn the clock back 10 years, but it would have been interesting to see the effect that Lyft and Uber would have had in Portland. If had, they had to play by those same rules. Yeah. If, yeah. if the city Man, even, was ready. Look, I love know. Bike Town, but even if Bike Town had to play by the same rules mm-hmm. that we gave Bird or Jump or any of the other mm-hmm. scooter companies out there. Yeah. You know, and as far as like having um, outer East Portland mm-hmm. an access point. Well, and that's just kind of the interesting thing is I think. I'd be curious to see what public opinion of Bike Town and doc- docked bike share in general uh-huh. it turns out to be in maybe the next five to ten years. Because I think that the unfortunate thing for Bike Town is, to a degree, it got caught in that shift between two conceptual understandings of how that type of rollout would go. And so you have cities like New York and Chicago and Portland who have the docked bike share. Uh-huh. And New York and Chicago happen to have the density for it, but Portland didn't. And so some could possibly yeah. argue that, that uh, you know, uh, obviously it is what it is. Um, but in some ways, it, it would be kind of neat to see if Bike Town, in continuation is able to compete a little bit more on that level as time goes by. Because I think it would be in their interest to think about that. Uh, as a potential way to continue to perhaps get, like pivot more towards dockless yeah in in a way and obviously like we've got a thousand bikes in the city and that that is what it is we have more than that now i believe um but if there was some way to modify that so that they, they could be a more direct competitor that would still be revenue for the city in a way that is competing with current offerings yeah, yeah. and you know unlike uber or lyft where you know you you hail a driver and and you just sit in it for wherever till you get to your destination you know there is an activity 
with biking or with scooter. Mm-hmm. And it seems like that pairs so much better with transit yeah. than ride sharing oh, in yeah. that, you know, you're going to get to a point where like, you might just get tired and be like, Oh, there's, mm-hmm. there's a bus station right there. Yep. You know, I'll just, I'll just leave it right here. Oh, for sure. You know, you have the option to bail, I yeah. guess is, is what I'm trying to get at yeah. as opposed to like, if I book a lift, you know, or, or whatever, a, a ride share of some kind. And, you know, it's for point A to point B. I can't really get at get off at point A point five, mm, mm-hmm. you know, before yeah, or at yeah. least not not very easily. Like if you change you know. your mind, part yeah, way through, yeah, be like, oh, I w- check. I never saw that that restaurant. I want to go there mm-hmm. instead. Do they, are know? they required to drop you where you pin? I I didn't. I don't know. I so don't. I'm not super familiar with it. Okay. I will confess, I let. Anna do all of that oh, because okay. she is very familiar, well, especially, you know, when it comes to riding around in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. But my understanding is when you book from one point to another, mm-hmm. you can't necessarily bail without going through a bunch of hoops. Like yeah. it almost makes it makes it more complicated to bail than it would be to yeah. just go to your destination and rehail another gotcha. ride. Yeah. And I, I can I could see it being that way. I think Probably there's some way for people to bail out and be like, nope, shitty experience. Get well, me out of and here. yeah, there's like, things like would, that. It would sure. have to be something like that. Um, the other thing, too, I think just kind of bringing us back before we reach into our, oh, we don't have mail. Well, bringing us back to the um, Lyft and Uber, just kind of that idea of shuttling riders to train stations. Like, yes, absolutely. There are people who take both train people who take rideshare to train stations there are people who take it to um, municipal transit but i would still argue the footprint and the ecological cost of a vehicle doing that as compared to a bike share bike or a scooter operated by any scooter company um, i mean just try try having a hundred cars from northeast portland all leave in relatively the same time and drop somebody off at the expo center versus try doing a hundred scooters with the yeah. same, like you're going to have a very different result. Yeah. So I think overall, um, maybe we're just playing a little I mean, bit it's, of, uh, it's that, herring, that but... classic poster that, you know, the BTA put out way, mm. way back when of mm-hmm. like, you know, this is X amount of, it's the same amount of people, but like, here's what it looks like on the road when they're all in their own car. Here's mm-hmm. what it looks like on the road when they're in a bus. Here's what it looks yeah. like, you yeah. know, when they're in bikes it's all about that footprint yeah yeah so uh we will continue to have studies come out i believe but as of right now it does seem that the people who know are are of the opinion that backed by research that uber and lyft uh are in some way significantly contributing to transit's decline Mm. so if you like transit you may want to limit your uber or your lyft or proponent transit, or yes. plug in in, in any, <laughs> any way you feel uh, that you want to. But yes, it's it's happening, folks. I have a I don't have a cherry note to end <laughs> off. I was thinking of our listener in Japan. He's probably like, oh, well, at least we're we're both depressing now. <laughs> 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 no, I'm sure that's not the case. Um, thank you for listening. We don't have any mail. Should we, we play don't. the jingle just in case? Just in case you missed it. We got mail. Hey, we got mail. And this is the part of the show where I say, 
please send us mail. We'd love to read and to share your opinions. And here's the part where I say, let's put this baby to bed. Let's do it. Also, thank you to everybody who supports the show. We appreciate it. Listener-supported podcasting. Ooh. The Sprocket Podcast. We have a photo of, uh, what's that? Hourglass. I guess we have, Hourglass yeah. isn't the famous voice. I'm thinking of Parks oh. and Rec, where it has, uh, like some NPR announcer or something like that. The very, very chill and calm voice. And now we're going to listen to eight different variances on jazz as formed in the postmodern revisionist Is that Bob history. Boylan? Oh, maybe. I'll look it up. All things are, all songs considered? Perhaps. Oh. I'll, I'll have to look up it. I've, I've derailed us yet again. <laughs> <laughs> That's what this episode's for. Oh, yeah. Derail we so we can get back on track. <laughs> the Sprocket Podcast is produced at StreamPDX Community Audio Studio thanks to the generous support of OpenSignal. Our website is thesprocketpodcast.com. Email to thesprocketpodcast at gmail.com. Call or text to 503-847-9774. Twitter and the Instagrams at sprocketpodcast. Thanks to Ryan J. Lane for our theme music. Hurt for our headline sounder. Marcus Norman for graphic design. And thanks to our sustaining donors, Logan Smith, Shadowfoot, Katharina Malengard. Wayne Norman, Ethan Georgie, Je- Eric Iverson. Cameron Lean, Richard Wazinski, Tim Mooney. Glenn Kubish, Matt Kelly, Eric Weiss. Todd Parker, Dan Gebhardt, who's a time traveler. Dave Knows. Chris Smith, Caleb Jenkins, and J.P. Cooley. Peanut Butter Jar Matt, Marco Lowe, Rich Otterstrom. Andrew in Colorado, Drew the Welder, Anna, come home. Andre Johnson, King of Division, Richard G. Guthrie Straw, who's sitting across the table from me. Hello. Aaron Green, author of We Were Like Sons and founder of the Reed Granary. Campsite, Mac Nurse David, Nathan Poulton. Chris Ross and Rory in Michigan. Michael Flournoy Jeremy Kitchen David Belay Tim Coleman Harry Hugo E.J. Finnerin Brad Hipwell Thomas Gato Keith Hutchinson Ranger Tom Joyce Wilson Ryan Tam Derek Wagner Jason Optenberg Microcosm Publishing David Moore Todd Grosbeck Chris Barron Chris, Chris Barron Chris Barron Sean Baird Simon Gregory Braithwaite Ryan Morrow Jimmy Diesel Dude Luna Matthew Rooks Marshall Paula at Punataki Cyclecraft. Philip M. Spartandale, no relation. Mr. T, who never really left. Bike Initiative, QAnon, and Sarah G. And all of our former donors who helped us get this far. Now brought your teeth. And go to bed. <laughs>